Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 179th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 634th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, July 23rd, 2020. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. This week's banner moment occurred for me on Tuesday when I read Archie Miller's Q&A with Seth Davis from The Athletic. I, of course, would have preferred that this Q&A be with a local reporter who could have asked more insightful questions like Alex Bozich or Zach Osterman or, heck, how about another round with the Hoosier hysterics? But given Archie's general aversion to public commentary, we will take what we can get. And there were a few interesting nuggets included. The headliner was Archie saying, quote, we have 90% of the team coming back and a good class coming in. We have a chance to really contend this year, unquote. Questionable math aside, given that Devontae, Duran, Demisi, and Justin are all gone, it's obviously encouraging to hear Archie so upbeat about this group's prospects. But there were a couple other sections that stood out even more to me. One was Archie talking about changes he made to his physical health, including getting back to his playing weight and challenging himself to go a million feet in 2020 on his Versa Climber. He also discussed getting better at channeling his urgency and anger after losses and making sure there is a, quote, calmness to it. And you can tell that he generally feels more aware and comfortable with what life is like as the head coach at Indiana and what he needs to do to handle it. All in all, to me, these sounded like the quotes of a still young coach who is maturing and figuring out what really matters. It's not X's and O's, but it will help him be a better leader through the grind of a five-month season. Well, knock on wood that there is a season. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left. You'll have fun, fun, fun. fun. Easy to enjoy watching guys enjoying themselves. Andy, what is your bottom line on the last week in Indiana basketball? Man, I can't believe you took that last one. That was me saying that, making fun of Ryan for saying that. It's terrible. I was, I was gonna say that it was glad to uh, have you back, and we were joking before the show that a lot of people um, were, and by a lot, I mean really just a couple, but uh, some people were uh, were wondering, you know, where you've been. We're glad to have you back, and as I said before the show, no one is more glad that you're back than than Coach and I, as we uh, can just sit back and spout off opinions instead of having to. Uh, to man the multiple uh, internet windows and uh, and and programs and different things like that. The whole reason the I left was to try and force Ryan to host. So you're saying that didn't happen the entire time I was going. <laughs> Your absence was not long enough, apparently, for that to uh, for that to happen. Um, Come on, but dude. Uh, yeah. So anyway, no, glad to have you back. Not a lot going on. Uh, we'll give a uh, some some positive vibes to our friend Chronic Hoosier, who has uh, been under the weather and uh, you know, had some tweets about his situation last night. So, uh, thinking of him, hope he's, uh, hope he's doing well, feeling better today. And, uh, glad to be, glad to be talking a little basketball. It's like, you just kind of every week try to get yourself to feel, uh, continue to feel optimistic as, as things go and more sports are starting. So that's helpful. Baseball is starting up as we're, uh, we're going now. NBA is getting close. So, uh, at least it's something to watch and, 
Uh, hopefully the NCAA can learn some lessons from those things, even though many of them will probably be hard to apply uh, in a college setting. But, uh, you know, if there's any hope that those can get going, maybe the NCAA can learn something from that and give us a college basketball season at some point. I know I'm holding out hope just like everybody else is. So uh, excited to uh, talk a little Archie Miller tonight. Well, no organization learns from others and its own mistakes like the NCAA. So we're in, we're in good hands, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> all right. To my right. Richie just fell off the bar stool laughing. Coach, it's Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? Well, first of all, it's good to have you back, Jared. Uh, we missed you, and uh, you know it's just it's a lot easier to sit down here and not have to push all the buttons and the and the start up objects and all that stuff. So glad to have you back. The thing that I'm thinking about is how great it is to get back on campus for the Indiana basketball team. I know things are abnormal and, and the protocols are, are, are different, but this week they started out basketball workouts. And, and you heard that if you if you read Archie Miller's interview or saw the interview um, with Talia Goodman, that you could just feel he was excited about seeing what the team can bring next season. And when you're a coach, you're always excited. Usually that happens in your spring uh, with the returning players. And then after a, a small break in the summer, summer session starts in early uh, June and you start getting those guys for the whole summer. And it's been a long wait for Archie and his staff. It's been a long wait for us. Uh, and even though we don't get to know a lot about what went on, it's nice to know Christian Lander, Trey Galloway, Anthony Leo, Jordan Geronimo are now with the Indiana program along with the uh, returning Hoosiers, and they're starting to work towards next season. We all worry about what's going on and if there's a season it, but the bottom line is they're starting to work. Let's hope they stay healthy and, and don't have to shut down for any period of time. But that's exciting uh, to me at this point uh, in this situation that they're back working on basketball. Absolutely. All right, so this week we will go through a few Hoosier headlines, and then we are going to spend a lot of time talking about Archie Miller, and then we will get to your questions. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to all that, real quick, as we always do, we want to urge you to continue to support our friends over at Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. You can always use your promo code ASSEMBLY20 at Homefield Apparel for 20% off your entire order, but you should also follow them on Twitter because I saw, I think it was today, they tweeted that either Friday or Saturday there's going to be like a Christmas in July sale. They teased it. So I think it's actually, think it's actually tomorrow. They talked about a, on the 24th a Christmas Eve in July sale. So okay, Christmas Eve in July. My, my wife so, has taken taken my wallet and credit cards for me uh, just to protect myself from from such an event. I mean, it's insane. All the new schools that they're coming out with. Obviously, they've got all the IU gear, but you know, there may be a member of your family that goes to another school, or maybe like coach, you just like collecting college gear, you know, or maybe you just like a logo of another school. They've got so much incredible stuff there. Go to homefieldapparel.com, use that promo code assembly20. Coach, how are you not going bankrupt with, I mean, just shirt after shirt after shirt that they're putting out? Well, you know, we had this basement wall about fall in on us, which is going to take a few thousand. So I got to save for that. Um, that's the only reason I'm not joining in this new Saturday, you know, 15 shirts in 15 weeks, but it, it looks good. Uh, and, and you don't have to be a fan of these other schools. Um, sometimes you need shirts to, you know, go mow the grass in and you want to look good in case, uh, you know, the neighbors drive by, but 
No, it's uh, it's hard for me to say no, especially when he's already got the credit card information. All you got to do is hit submit. But I, I do appreciate I appreciate what he does, and I appreciate that he's an entrepreneur as a teacher of economics. Uh, I use him as an example quite a bit in in trying to be creative and start up a business, and yeah. so it's always good to follow. And he's a Hoosier. I- you know? I also enjoyed yeah. the other day. He, uh, as part of their subscription, you can put in li- list of schools that you don't want, and someone had put in an Ohio State University <laughs> in there uh, as one of their responses. So I appreciated that as well. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, okay, guys, a few Hoosier headlines. Uh, Jordan Longino, he made his decision. He is a, I think, a four-star wing uh, from Pennsylvania. You guys will be shocked to know that he chose Villanova. Uh, so he is the second. Uh, highly rated wing from the state of Pennsylvania to choose Villanova over Indiana. I've just got to ask myself what this guy is thinking. Who in their right mind from Pennsylvania would go to a moribund program like Villanova and Jay Wright when you could come to you know to a school that hasn't played an NCAA tournament game in four years? Uh, makes I kid, no sense. I, I kid, you know, but the question is, and, and I want to ask you guys a serious question about this. Are we wasting our time recruiting guys like this? I mean, obviously, Bruiser Flint has a lot of connections there and if you land one of these guys it would be really big but do you think maybe time would be better spent elsewhere do you think that this is a reasonable use of resources and we should be taking our shots and look we got jordan geronimo from out east you know maybe we'll land one of these guys yeah i think i mean you got to yield a little bit to the the staff that knows which which ones are the ones that are actually in any way realistic to go after and i think and he did have a connection i think his mom went to iu so i believe that's i believe that's true and i you know there's a part of it that they've really they've you know they set out to do you know really lock down the borders of the state focus on indiana they've done a good job of that i think there is a certain point though where you've got to prove that you can do more than that but you kind of need to pick your spots and not really you know take your eye off the ball uh in terms of that so i think as long as they're being selective about some of those things but i mean yeah you you can sit back after the fact and say like well why in the world did anyone ever think that you know a a talented guy that's getting recruited by villanova who's from the state of pennsylvania would would go someplace else but um i i think it's i think it's okay what they're doing now because it's it seems to be more targeted as opposed to um you know casting a wide net there and you're you're finding guys that you make some kind of connection with and uh, and see what happens because I don't think you want to set yourself up to be somebody who doesn't, who looks like they're so narrow, narrow-minded on on where they're looking for players that it it that ends up getting used against you. So it's kind of like you got to dip your toe in the water at some point just to uh, just to be out there. And as long as you're selective enough, it seems okay. In Archie's defense, you know there are probably other fan bases that are being like, "Oh, good, we went after a kid from Indiana, and he went to Indiana. Why did we waste our time with that?" So at least Archie has brought us back to that point where we're landing the kids from our own state. So. I'm not sure it, it's a waste of time because we're not throwing 80 some scholarships out there and, and spending all that time. Um, and a lot of these guys are, we're, Indiana's finishing second, third. So the message is being heard. Yeah. And it's o- hard to overcome the local team that has had a lot of success and won national championships. But when you're coming in third or the top three or the top five and some kids from Philadelphia who should be going to Villanova just because it's it's there that says something to me and that then is worth the time too because that might set the the or plant a seed in someone else saying hey these other kids have indiana in their top three top five i'm gonna listen the next time archie comes so it might not be uh worth the time because this kid was probably going to go to villanova but it's a process and again we have a base and then we're reaching out to see instead of the base changing from the south to the west to the 
wherever as in previous um, regimes. So I don't think it's a waste of time unless we, we did it with, you know, 20 or 30 guys at a time. Well said. I think you talked me into it. Also, did Trey Patterson or Jordan Longino have the ability to take an official visit given the issues with COVID? I don't know. I'm not, I don't know the answer of that, but certainly if you're recruiting an out-of-state kid and they can't set foot on our campus, that's an issue because who doesn't fall in love with Bloomington? You know, get them on there, let them see the banners, everything that we have going. So that might be another issue, but we wish Jordan Longino luck uh, at Villanova. Last thing I wanted to cover with you guys, and this will kind of begin our conversation about Archie Miller, but I don't know if you saw our friends over at Inside the Hall uh, had a piece they ran called What Are Realistic Expectations for Archie Miller? And Alex talked to Pat Forty, Mike DeCourcy, and Rob Doster uh, just about Archie Miller's tenure so far, asked him a few questions. One of the questions was, how would you characterize Archie's tenure so far? Forty basically said underwhelming. DeCourcy said fine. Uh, and Doster said underwhelming, but trending positively. So kind of a, a mixture of the two. Uh, he asked them, when is it fair for fans to start judging? They all said now that the fourth season of a coach's tenure is when you can really start judging wins and losses. And then what are realistic expectations for this season? 40 said they should be high, top third of the Big Ten. DeCourcy said somewhere in the top five or six in the Big Ten. Uh, and Doster said, you know, without specifying exactly where in the Big Ten, said they should be a team around the top 25, maybe that bounces in. If they win both their games that week, bounces out. If they lose both, but kind of hovering right there around top 25, others receiving votes. Coach, was there anything in there that you particularly agreed with or disagreed with from those uh, esteemed basketball minds? No, I think all of those comments are fair. I'm always going to go with DeCourcy because after talking to him a few times on Banner Monday, he's just an incredible guy with an incredible mind that sees beyond things that normal fans or, or people who follow teams see. And I think he's just a, a great resource, and I and I think he looks deeper into things. I think where Arch, and we'll talk about this in the next segment, is the things that a people see are wins and losses, and he has been underwhelming in wins and losses. That is the absolute truth. But there have been a lot of foundational things that we'll talk about that he has been overwhelming and done a really nice job that sets up success. Now he's just going to have to go finish. So I think the underwhelming, um, it, all of that is is probably very accurate. Andy, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting, not really surprising, and I don't disagree with it. But the the you know when is it fair to start judging him for them all to say now? And I think most of us would. Uh, would tend to agree with that, but it's it's just kind of interesting because you didn't really get to figure out what last year could have become. I mean, every time Archie's talked to anybody, he's talked about how how good he was feeling about the team at that point at the end of the season and thought they could have made a little bit of noise if they had gotten to the tournament. But you don't have that, so you um, you, know, you go in and and I think this just because all the prior excuses in terms of these aren't your players or, you know, you had this rebuilding to do. Can you win with a Devante? Can you win with the Justin Smith? Can you do those things? Whether those are fair criticisms or not, like those things are all gone. You've got Al as the, uh, Korean recruit, but, but I think most people, you know, have a really high opinion of him from a character standpoint, from a leadership standpoint and all that. So, um, you don't have some of those other distractions. So I think in that regard, it's, it's completely fair to, to really look at that. And, and I think the, the initial comments around, you know, how they'd characterize the time fall in well with what Jeff Goodman said when he was on with, um, with, with Alex. Uh, and then we talked about that a little bit last week, either on the show or, or between segments, but you know, where he had just said it'd been steady, but not, it, it hasn't accelerated as quickly as, as even he would have thought. And I think that all, uh, 
you know, underscores it pretty well. I think there's something to be said for having a pretty good consensus on all three questions, really. Yeah. And Goodman and Goodman said too that, you know, it wasn't as easy as people thought for Archie, that what he was left was not in good shape, which is one of the first times I've heard a national guy really dig into what we have been discussing for, for a while here uh, since Archie Miller took over. So that, that to me solidified, it wasn't just us looking for things, you know, um, to find reasons why things weren't going well, that there's a national guy that kind of said, you know what, he wasn't really left in a, in a really good situation. And you hear a lot of comparisons to other first, second, third year coaches who've had a little bit more success. Well, all situations have been different. I'm sure we'll get into that in a little more detail, but that Goodman interview was really, really uh, solid uh, that over there at Inside the Hall. Yeah, that was definitely a good one. All right, coming up, it is time to talk more about Archie Miller. He's now had three years on the job. How do we grade him on each major element of the job, and what grade do we give him overall? We will discuss that and more next year on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. All righty. Well, hello to everybody out there live. Good to see so many of you here. Uh, I'm, I'm glad people didn't run and not come when I said that I was going to be back. That does make me feel good. <laughs> that makes me feel good. Okay, so I figured I should explain my absence just a little bit because we kind of like, it kind of all happened quickly. And I don't know, I don't know if you guys spent a whole lot of time explaining it, um, but I figured I should at least share why I haven't been here. Um, We've had we've had a few changes in our family, uh, but some good ones. So, and I'm I, this is not really for like public consumption, even though I'm you know this is go on the podcast and go to the YouTube folks. But you know this is like family, you know, not putting it out on the radio. But my wife and I have been going through IVF, which is a very very challenging process, and so it's kind of changed up our evenings because you got to do like shots and like all this stuff, and then without getting into too many of the details and she can't like pick my daughter up and she's really tired and all this stuff. So I've been doing bedtime stuff. And so it's just made being here for the eight o'clock show really difficult. You know, as you guys know, I've been able to do the, be in the community and do the the run sheets and stuff. So I haven't just totally checked out, but it's just made being here at eight o'clock really tough. Um, and that may continue some. So I don't, I don't think I'll be here regularly every single week. We'll probably have to rotate it like we do. Uh, but so far, fingers crossed, everything is going really well. Um, and it's obviously a very strange, challenging time to be going through this process. Um, but so far, everything's going well. So I don't want to uh, spike the football uh, or jinx anything early in the process. But the early returns are very good. And I really appreciate you guys uh, stepping up and allowing me to you know, do what I need to do here uh, in the evenings. Because uh, it's, it's made things a lot, uh, a lot easier, a lot more manageable. So I appreciate you guys for that. And uh, yeah, I'll keep you guys posted. I'm definitely going to be here as much as I can. It's uh, you know, it may just have to be kind of a weekly thing, and eventually we'll get Ryan hosting. <laughs> do I have, do I have a everything track? you said up right, right up until a... that last sentence was completely? Uh, yes. I bought into every last bit of it until that last that last part. No, we're we're happy to help, and uh, you know, even happier to report that we did not spread uh, any kind of rumors or uh, or tell any fabrications about why you uh why you weren't around so yeah i mean you definitely had the opportunity <laughs> oh we oh we did <laughs> you did um so yeah okay so we'll talk archie next um man there's actually sports on it kind of took me by surprise that 
the baseball opening day was happening. I'd kind of just not been paying attention and just kind of assuming everything was going to get delayed. But there's there's sports. Wait, what happened yeah. to Moose? He's getting uh, married. Yeah, I know he's getting married, but didn't we all know that? Or, okay, so, someone congratulating him do, that didn't know that? Yeah, he had to have uh, pre-marriage counseling, oh. and he moved it to Wednesday instead of Thursday so he wouldn't have to miss the show. See, is he trying to one-up me here? Is he trying to say that he's dedicated? <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're saying, Moose. I see what you're saying. Uh-oh, Megan's saying we should talk. It's not good when the person who helps you with your taxes puts a cryptic we should talk message into the chat. <laughs> That's a concern. <laughs> that is a concern. Man, I tell you what, our our ladies in the chat mob are just fantastic. Our dudes are okay too. Don't get me wrong, guys out there in the chat mob, but our ladies in the chat mob, they are just top notch. They are the best. They are the best. Okay, good. Megan Knotts, okay. She's probably just saying that so that I'm not preoccupied the whole show. <laughs> You actually owe forty thousand more dollars than what we talked about. There's never, never a good time to find that out. <laughs> no. But if you're going but to, might as well just. Drop but certainly it the during the middle. Of, but certainly <laughs> yeah. during the middle of the show is is right up there. Uh, okay, right let's up. talk Archie. So that first segment was seventeen minutes and thirteen seconds. So we've got some time. Um, did Jay send in? Oh yeah, he did. Okay, so we've got a mediocre question from Jay too for segment three. Okay, um, let's hop in. We'll start here in about 20 seconds. E-cigs don't burn tobacco leaves, and they come in lots of flavors. That's what tobacco companies tell you. Here are three things tobacco companies don't say. One, many teens don't know their flavored e-cigs have nicotine. Two, nicotine is a poison that can rewire the teen brain. Three, 80% of kids who tried vaping did it because of the flavors. So even when it tastes like candy, Nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hi, this is AJ Moyer. What's the only thing better than upsetting Duke in the Sweet 16? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach for the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers! Thank you, AJ. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast, chat mobbers. Or you want to watch those replays and see all of the between-segment banter, then check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Jared Morse. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And guys, we have gone through all the players. We've gone through all the recruits. That means that there is only uh, one person left to talk about, unless we're going to dive into like assistants and managers and <laughs> and really go deep here, which, hey, if this COVID thing lasts long enough, we may have I think to do we that. Can, but, I don't think we can completely <laughs> roll that out at this point, but... But it is time to talk about Archie Miller and and to basically grade, you know, not just obviously last season, but his entire body of work at Indiana, which has now spanned three seasons. And, you know, some of the, the obvious positives are the in-state recruiting. 
Um, you know, Indiana's adjusted defensive metrics have improved each season. He's beaten Tom Izzo three straight times, which is, you know, nothing to, uh, nothing to turn your nose up at, but the negatives, the offense has felt stuck in the mud, you know, to a certain extent, he is stubbornly stuck with his system, uh, you know, which can be a virtue on one hand, but on the other hand, he hasn't really adjusted to the talent that he's had on hand and he's lost to Matt Painter every time, which kind of cancels out the Tom Izzo thing. So there's been some good, there's been some bad. And, you know, one thing we should do, I think, before we begin this is just set the parameters for the discussion. We talked about this a little bit before the show started. Last season when we did this, the criteria that we used to judge Archie was on-court success, culture, recruiting, program ambassadorship, and staff management. And I think if you're Scott Dolson, those are probably the criteria that you want to use. Our issue, I think, as I kind of look at this and reflecting back on our conversation from last year, is can we really assess culture and staff management without being on the inside? Like we could kind of bloviate about some stuff and talk about some really high-level observations we've made from afar, but I don't want to waste everybody's time talking about stuff that we don't have a lot of inside knowledge about. So to me, those are a couple that I'd kind of like to, and maybe we can talk about them real quick, stuff that we do think we know, but I don't want to really enter them into our official criteria for grading Archie because I just don't think that we're qualified to give a good grade on it. Do you agree, disagree, and and what are some things about either of those two criteria, Coach, you can start, um, that you think you have noticed? Well, you know, you, you had a, a change of the coach, uh, assistant coach situation, so you always wonder what, what goes on there. Um, but to me, you got to have right fits. So that could have been a situation where that wasn't a good fit and he had to move on. A lot was blown out of a proportion of some of the sideline stuff that went on that was caught on camera. Good staffs work together and, and they converse and they even fight together. So you don't know what's behind that. You could read that negative one way, positive the other way. And that's why you need to be there in order to tell the culture things for me. There's some, there's some clues, um, you know, was he worried about you know playing all 11 guys at the beginning of the season to make sure that everyone was happy? How did that go? That fits into culture, but yet we don't know if the guys are getting along in the locker room and, and doing those kinds of things. So um, I think those things are important. I do think that uh, you know Dolson does need to look at those things, but you're in there watching practice. You're talking to the guys. You're seeing how they react. You can get a sense if things are going well or not going well, more from the inside than the outside. But I do think there are some tells. And um, I think, you know, in, in those two areas, they've been all right. They haven't been maybe great, but they haven't been really poor either, in my opinion. Andy, do you have thoughts on either of those before we move on to the official criteria? I think the the staff stuff is hard to get into. We can certainly talk about what, what we like about Mike Roberts. I think that probably is a, a net positive. Uh, it certainly is for coaches, we know. but The yelling, um, the stomping. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody needs a little bit more of that, but I, I think it's to the extent that, that people value having an IU guy there and even hearing, you know, his interview with the hysterics and some of that, you know, that it means, uh, means a lot to him. And I think that our, it's, it's good in some ways to see that Archie wasn't afraid to make a change if he thought that something wasn't going in the direction that he wanted. But again, I don't know that that's fair to, you know, kind of grade on that. And, you know, culturally, I, I think you, you continue to see his identity be present a little bit more. And that's been a gradual, uh, a gradual process. It feels, it felt a little bit like last year's team got along a little bit better, or you didn't hear some of the same rumblings off the court as you did the year before. But again, that's all trying to connect dots that we really don't have a lot of visibility to. So I'm, I'm generally okay with not, not putting a ton of weight on those things. 
So the way that I feel like we should look at it is results, offense, defense, roster management, which obviously includes recruiting, and then program ambassadorship. Because that's all stuff that we can see, we can assess, we can look at. And of course, there's the question of, do you grade on a curve or do you just grade what's happened? And I think we can start that looking at the results. You know, because the the bottom line results are that Indiana is 55 and 43 in Archie's three years, 26 and 32 in the Big Ten. The Hoosiers have finished tied for sixth, ninth, and tied for 10th. And that's gone down each year, although, you know, you have to look at the context of how good the Big Ten was in each of those seasons. And while we all think that Indiana would have made the NCAA tournament, again, the bottom line is Archie has not yet coached an NCAA tournament game with Indiana. So I look at those in terms of results. And if you don't grade it on a curve, if you just look at it in terms of what's expected at Indiana, I mean, that's a D at best, right? I mean, what do you guys think? There's extenuating circumstances, but, you know, it is what it is after three seasons. Yeah, I think the, the that maybe the the larger part of that is, in some ways, the lack of progression it'd be one thing if you were that record and you had i'm not even going to attempt to do this math but if you were you know four and 14 the first year and you dug yourself a hole from a record standpoint you're gradually climbing your way out but you went from nine and nine to eight and 12 to nine and 11 um so uh, you know big 10 these last couple years has been extremely tough put a lot of teams in the tournament or would have put a lot of teams in the tournament last year so that's there but i think that probably is the expectation every year from a Big Ten standpoint. And then, you know, on top of that, you're one and two in the Big Ten tournament. Um, so you're even another game below 500 at that point. So I think it's hard to, no matter what the context, look at the results and not see the progression of going from, you know, eight and 10 to, or I guess there's, you know, 20 games now. But, you know, if you were eight and 12, and then you got to nine and eleven, and then you got to ten and ten. You'd still be under five hundred, but even that is incremental progress year over year, and that's really what you you haven't seen. I think if you looked at road record over that time, that's continued to be a, a big issue, which it is for a lot of people in the conference. But yeah, I mean, it's a uh, you know when push comes to shove, the stuff that really matters is is going to be the results. So it, it's it's hard to sugarcoat those and make them look uh, make them look a whole lot better than they really are, Coach. Yeah, you get paid to win games, and at Indiana, you need to win a lot of games, and that hasn't happened in the first three years. And so just by sheer number, uh, that grade has to be low, but like any statistic, there are there's information behind the statistic, and regardless, in, in three years, there have been more wins, small and not Indiana, you know, uh, kind of wins, but... He started out and each year has won more games and made the NCAA tournament and all likelihood is his third year. But you got to win games and you can't go on 11, you know, losing 11 out of 12 games and losing four games in a row after you start five and three in the Big Ten. Those things have to, uh, all the other things that are happening um, that are reasons for that have to go away and he has to find a way to overcome that if they, if they show a, again. And so, Pure record-wise, yeah, he's, that's the where the underwhelming part of the program comes from is is game night performance, and especially as Andy said, the road performance where there's been big defeats and and no shows at, at times uh, th- that has to that has to change, and that has to change in a hurry. And I, Our, I think more than that, it's it's just and coach, you talked about this. It's some some of it is the inconsistency of you kind of feel like you're turning a corner and then you backslide for a handful of games, and I think that you know maybe even more so than the 
year to year record progression. It's even like during the season, you don't feel like you see that as much where, you know, how much is this team really improving or is a three game losing streak right around the corner uh, because they just go into a funk for a period of time and they're, they're not able to consistently work their way out of those situations and, and that part of it. So I think the consistency is a, is a big factor as well that you, you alluded to. There, there's two factors. One, it, you know, the coach should be able to get players on his team to, um, to rise to a level to stop those streaks. But there's also an argument to say that you can do everything you want as a coach, but sometimes the players that you have, uh, and that'll go to the next criteria, the roster management thing, that the players you have can't avoid those streaks at times too. And, and, and that's a tough call. You know, as a coach, we know when we have a program, we know what our expected wins are, are like. You know, we, we play game by game, but you look at a season, you know, like we have these many teams we can beat and so forth, and then you try to overachieve on that. But if, if the fans are wanting 18 wins – you know, from a high school program every year in, in a rebuilding situation, that's where it gets, it's, it's a little bit messy. Uh, but ultimately the coach is responsible. And I think Archie takes responsibility for that. He said in one of the interviews that the losses just eat him up. And, and, you know, I don't think there's any coach that will say differently, but you at least like to hear your coach say that losses just bother him and he needs to make sure that he, he, he takes those losses and, and constructively handles those both at home and with the team. And that's part of that. And I, and the more I'm around Archie, um, the more the change from Dayton to Indiana was a big change for him uh, as opposed um, in some other scenarios, especially with the change in styles. It would be easier if he followed a guy uh, that was more of his style. I think the transition would have been a lot easier, but yeah, all of those things are excuses um, are reasons, but there's no excuse. You got to win games. You got to do with what you deal with what you have. And I don't think game night, he has done everything that he, that he needs to at this point. So I take it you guys are generally buying the D for results. That's a fair grade for results, not overall, but just in terms of on-court results. I, I may say C minus. You because saucy. You softy. <laughs> Thank you. I love Archie Miller. You're welcome, Arch. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about happier things. Let's talk about roster management, uh, which has not been all perfect, but certainly the single biggest thing Archie needed to do when he came in was repair the relationships in Indiana, get that recruiting pipeline going, and he has. Not totally perfectly because we didn't land Keon Brooks, right? But pretty much everything that he could do, he has done. Getting Lander, getting Romeo, getting Trace Jackson Davis, obviously then getting a bunch of four-star guys like Armand and Rob and some of these guys. He's really done a good job with that. And I think he's done a good job of going out of state and getting guys who are solid players who fit the culture that have just had these star-crossed careers like Race Thompson and Jerome Hunter. You know, Now, he swung and missed on some big names as we've talked about, but I think for the most part, the recruiting aspect has been good. The two issues that I think have been struggles are that, you know, for two years, we haven't really had an answer at point guard. You know, Rob Finnessy, even when he was recruited, he's a guy we had high expectations for, but I think a lot of people thought he would really emerge as a junior and senior. We're about to get there with him, but obviously he's been up and down early on. There hasn't been a solid answer at the point guard position, not for lack of trying. Archie's recruited a lot of those guys, just hasn't landed them, and shooting has been a big issue, both from a development standpoint and from a recruiting standpoint. So to me, I don't think you can look at it as perfect. There have been holes. But I also think you know, bringing in a guy like Joey Brunk, while he didn't fit the style Archie wanted to play, he fit the culture Archie was trying to build. 
you know, and so I think that's a net positive, even if Joey had his ups and downs, you know, as a player. So I think some of those decisions show the kind of program that Archie's trying to build and the kind of roster that he's trying to build. And I, I buy into those. So for me, roster management wise, I give him a B plus. I think given what he had when he came in, he's done a really good job of reconstructing it in his own image. But it kind of feels like there have been some holes along the way that could have led to better results. You know, the D that we just talked about, if he had been able to maybe land a guy here or there, manage it a little bit better. I'm mostly happy, but I can't go all the way to an A because I feel like if it was an A, then the results would be better. So I give a B plus. I think even I think you could you know argue a B or even a B minus, but I'm going to try and be optimistic on this one. Give him a B plus because I'm generally very optimistic about the direction that the roster management is taking. Uh, Andy, what do you think about it? <clears throat> yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Uh, if you look at again, uh, even what we talked about at the beginning, I mean, he really set out to say, hey, we're going to get back to recruiting the state really well. They've done that. Um, have been able to pick a couple of guys out here and there from from states uh, nearby in, in the Midwest in general. Uh, and so I think that part is is really good. And I think a little bit of that even flows into the you know program ambassador piece that uh, is yet to talk about. So I think that's I think that's good. I think guys who have left it, it you can it, you're not you're not having to squint too much necessarily to figure out why, you know, a guy like Demisey leaving, it makes complete sense. And, and you all kind of said after the fact it was right for him to recruit him and it was right for him to leave and no hard feelings either way. I think the, the Justin Smith thing always felt like a, an odd marriage uh, for a while. So I don't think that, you know, you're not having these mass exodus of guys that you can't really explain why they would leave other than just general unhappiness and things like that. And I think, You've also gotten to a point, and this speaks a little bit to the culture and identity stuff. Is you know we end up saying a lot of the same things about the guys that he really goes hard after and the characteristic he's he's looking for. I think he's really laid that out well. Um, it's kind of fun. I was listening to the Three Man Weave podcast earlier today, and they were talking about a guy that committed to Florida State, and they you know talked about the attributes where it's like, yep, this is a Florida State guy. It makes complete sense why he would go there. And so I think he's starting to define that for for IU, which goes a long way toward developing an actual program and uh, and really getting continuity there. So I think those things are a positive. But yeah, it, you, you can't look past the fact that there have been essentially the same deficiencies on the team for the last couple of years and uh, for whatever reason haven't been able to find guys who can shoot and space the floor um, and do that. You know, it's gone the grad transfer route a little bit with, with Fitzner and with, um, you know, with Joey Brunk, obviously two very different uh, players from you know how their games are and have has gone after other guys, but yeah, I I think you can't get a pass completely on the thing that's held this team back is offense and and the same holes have really been there uh, for a couple years. So I I think your B plus is is probably fair here with the recruiting piece of it really pushing it up and some of the other holes from that pulling it down a bit. Coach, argue for why Archie deserves an A plus, triple plus for his roster. No, I'm actually going to go lower. Um, Whoa! <laughs> because um, I, I think for recruiting an A, I mean, he's building. If you're talking about building a roster, an A. I mean, he he came in. He said he's going to go inside out. He's doing that. He's coming close to a lot of guys that are outside of Indiana that are really good players. I I can't. I could not have wanted more from a recruiting standpoint. And I think ultimately that's what's going to help him survive these three years, four years is that he is building and people will have to give him some time. I think Dolson will give him some time if the results don't matter. But um, I also understand I'm going to give him a B 
and, and I understand why it's hard to coach guys that aren't your type of players that match your personality, your grit, your determination, but they have some talent. So the reason I'm downgrading from a B plus to a B is um, what might have been best is to maybe push some guys to leave earlier that didn't fit Archie's mode, but that's going to make the results even lower. Um, you're likely to lose some games because you're chasing some talented, but maybe not your type of guys away from the program. You have APR issues. You have that. So I honestly was a little disappointed that we hung around with some guys and tried to be respectful to everyone who played for Indiana um, that I don't think really had Indiana first. And, and um, do you get rid of them early or do you try to change them? And a lot of coaches believe they can come in and work with them and change them. And, and that's part of the criticism is I think playing 11 guys um, is hard and I commend him for doing that. So it's a praise of him to trying to keep everyone happy to play 11 guys uh, at the beginning of the first half of the season. But I think that might've cost him some wins. I, I praise him for saying that uh, he said in one of the interviews, I think in the athletic that I don't like saying, wait till my guys, because once I'm here, they're all my guys. I, I think that's awesome. And I think that, that he has to get credit for believing that. But I think it made things harder, and I think that's an absolute truth that it made playing time and 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 some of the decisions made, and that hurt hurt the results. So um, I think he did the right things, but I don't think he gets an excellent grade because they didn't work out. Uh, um, and whether he didn't have the right message or the players didn't listen, some of those players. But uh, again, he was handed some cards that weren't weren't very good, and he tried really hard to do some right things, and, and some things may have worked and some things didn't. But I, I give him a B for roster management in total. All right, so we're going a little long in this segment. We'll talk about offense, defense, and program ambassadorship on the podcast uh, for the folks that are listening on the radio. But for the rest of this segment, let's give the overall grade. And so you can kind of take into account all of that stuff. Uh, you know, we've gone with about a, a D for the results, for the roster management, B plus, B. Coach, what do you give Archie overall so far? I'm going to fall with because all the metrics moved up. Offense moved up slightly. Defense really moved up. And we have a defensive mindset. Uh, and I don't think it's still there. So I'm going to stay at the B overall um, because I think the foundational pieces uh, were really tough. And I think he's doing the right things, just not winning games. I think that changes this year. But see, I can't get to a B, you know, because to me, a B is at, at, at Indiana, not trying to grade him on a curve, but just like, what should a B be at Indiana? you should be in the top four or five of the Big Ten and making the NCAA tournament every year. You know, if you're an A at Indiana, you're making the Sweet 16 and, and going to a Final Four every few, you know, every, you know, four or five years and winning Big Ten titles, and he hasn't gotten there yet. And so, to me, the results drag everything down. And even though I'm optimistic about the defensive mindset, I think that's getting there. I like the direction that the roster management is taken. Um, you know, program ambassadorship, you know, man, that's never going to be Archie's strength. I got to go C minus, you know, and I, and I feel like it could be a little bit lower just based on the results. And that's not a reflection of what I believe will happen moving forward. It's just simply looking back. I have a real hard time going higher than that, just given the results that we've seen. And, you know, look, he's dealt with some bad luck. You know, the one season when he had two bona fide NBA guys on his team, everybody else on the roster got hurt. That team had a chance to be really good. And the whole thing cratered and he lost 12 out of 13 and it turned into a disaster. It could have been a lot better if things fall differently. But they didn't. And so I just, if you look at what has happened, I got to go C minus. Uh, Andy, where are you? I'd probably fall in the C, maybe C plus range. I think it's just been kind of middle of the road. I think if you, 
even if you look back at the stuff we talked about where it's all been kind of generally underwhelming, but trending in the right direction. It's, you know, some of the defensive numbers have continued to steadily get better every year. I think that's a positive. You start to see an identity, but it's at a certain point, uh, you know, it's hard to say that a, a guy we all agreed is kind of like now is really the time that he's going to get judged harshly on, on that. If you're already at that point in year four, I, it, I struggled to say, Hey, you're going to get a good, you're going to get a good grade. Cause I think at that point you're, you're not still having those conversations of like, eh, are we, are we sure this is it? Um, so I, I'll, I'll say C, maybe C plus on the, on the very high side. If you, if you look past some of those things, but I think the results are ultimately, you know, these aren't all in equal weight in, in a lot of ways. And, and the results are the anchor that kind of pulls everything else down. And I, I'm just operating. I think the program's in better shape um, than the last three years of the Crean uh, administration. Um, and you would probably, if you went to Crean overall from where he started and won two big t- 10 championships, his grade would be a lot higher, but we all know why he was asked to leave um, that the up and down nature and in order to smooth things out and stabilize, I think Archie has stabilized. Now he needs to win games in order to continue to be able to coach at Indiana and, and he can stabilize all he wants and bring in any guys all he wants. But if he doesn't win this year and the next year, it's going to be a problem. So the results do matter, but the results aren't happening without what he's done um, with some other things. So I can move down a little bit from that B. I understand your guys' point. Uh, but I, I don't think he's he's uh, below average. I, I think average or slightly above average um, is, is where I could settle because I think he has a plan. And, and I go back to Scott Dolson. Dolson came in and said, I like him because he has a plan. That sure beats a lot of coaches that are around. Um, and, and and it seems like with the recruiting and, and stuff that he has executed that he's got to get a better handle on rotations and some of those things we'll talk later. But that's where I'm coming. He stabilized the program, in my opinion. If you do ever get an interview with Archie, he's probably going to demand to only do it with Coach and just have the rest of us be off. <laughs> Dang straight. Be, be off air that day. Uh, okay. Uh, again, radio listeners, go check out the podcast. We'll give the rest of our uh, assessment of Archie there. All right. But coming up in our third segment, we will answer your questions, including one about how the defense can actually improve this season without Justin Smith and what the European leagues do well that IU might consider adopting. All that and more. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. So that was 2405. Um, Okay, so let's hit the rest of this really quick. Um, Let's start with offense. Andy, what grade do you give Archie for the offense? Sorry, I'm on mute. Um, I I don't know. I I struggle with this one. I mean, from a a ranking perspective, it's gotten better. But from an actual raw numbers perspective, it's gotten worse uh, each each of the the few years i just think it's not i think it was pat 40 that said this it's like they're not really an enjoyable watch um which i think is 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 fair uh and i think there's been times when just really trying to figure out how to utilize the personnel that he does have and uh again maybe being a little bit too stubborn i think he's even talked about that in one of the interviews of you know trying to trying to be more flexible to to what he wanted to do and and he thought so 
Um, yeah, I, I don't think the, the lack of shooting, it, it's, it's hard to kind of strip these apart from one another because the lack of shooting is partly a roster management issue. So then it starts to become, well, do you get dinged twice because you, you, you didn't do a good enough job getting a shooter. And then by, by, as a result of that, your offense wasn't very good because you couldn't get good spacing. You couldn't make shots from the outside. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's another probably middle of the road C C plus type type thing for me. It just hasn't hasn't progressed. Haven't really seen different stuff. Be uh, you know, haven't seen improvement. And there's very few areas you can really point to and say, hey, this got a lot better. Yeah, it's you know, I, the offense really requires some nuance to look at. Because it hasn't been good, but I'm actually not I'm not as down on the offense. I mean, I am down on the offense, you know, because it hasn't been good. The shooting hasn't been good. There have been droughts. There's been a lack of creativity, all of that stuff. But, you know, you can look at it and say, man, we're playing offense from the 80s. And I think to a certain extent, Archie has kind of adapted what he likes to do offensively to the personnel that he's had on hand. His strength has been inside, you know, with Deron Davis and Trace Jackson Davis and Joey Brunk and Juwan Morgan. And so... He's kind of oriented his offenses around that. And I think when you kind of look at it before each season, it's made some sense why he's done that because he's had such a weakness at point guard. So I agree, Andy. I don't want to penalize him twice for the inability to get a point guard because if you go back and look at his Dayton teams, he wants to play up tempo. He wants a point guard who can lead things and do more of the stuff that we're waiting to see, but he hasn't had the personnel to do it. And I thought we saw over the second half of last season a lot more creativity and a lot more willingness to run sets to get guys open for shots. He had a guy in Al Durham who was shown he could make shots, and he trusted him, and he ran offense to get him shots. I kind of wish we had been doing that all along, you know, a little bit more to kind of help shooters. So, you know, I would probably give the offense a C. I, the numbers haven't been good, but I at least felt over the second half of last season better about where the offense was going. Um, and I also just feel like personnel wise, he's had to run so many lineups out there with two shooters. You know, how do you like, what, what was the magic bullet to construct great offenses with that? I think there's more stuff we could have done. Probably should have run more pick and rolls with Romeo. Like there, you know, there's stuff, but I don't know. I kind of feel like he's actually done an okay job with the roster he's had. And it really just, it's come down a little bit more to just having the dudes on offense. Like at some point, you got to have dudes on offense that can go get buckets and that can make shots, and we haven't had enough of those. So, you know, I, that's right. I give it a C. I'm just kind of middle of the road on it. There's been some bad stuff. There's been some good stuff. I think it comes down to roster management more than it does offensive coaching, though. I, I agree with everything, but I'm going to give it a C minus. Uh, I really cringed when I heard that he was going to go to an old man game. I totally understand why he did it because that's where our strength was and our shooting wasn't there. And so you got to, again, I give him credit, but disagree because, um, I, I, I mean, we got more shots inside, but it just was stagnant and you had to, in order to play a double post, it's got to be a little more stagnant, a little more slow paced till you get the, you know, and then people are going to play defense and sag in and not guard the other post when he gets high, low, you got all that kind of stuff. I, I was hoping when he came from Dayton that we'd see more up-tempo earlier. Um, and, and the question, and this is just a real difficult question, if you put that in and don't have the roster for it, you lose. And then you don't win 16. We, we already give him a D-plus for going 17, 19, and 20. If he started out 10 and 15 because he's putting in a high up-tempo offense with a double-post team, 
Then, then, then with Josh criticized. Newkirk and Robert Johnson running it, you know, I mean, those guys yeah. can't lead an up-tempo offense. It's just not no, I, 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 no, I know that, but you get your offense in, yeah, and then in the third year, I mean, you know, um, or do you change every year um, based on on what you have? So I think he just need. I would. I'm a little disappointed in the tempo. Okay, um, I, I want to amend one thing uh, because uh, Tyler had a good point, and let me get back to it. And he goes back to something that Deron Davis said on his Hoosier Hysterics interview, which is great, by the way. Highly recommend the Deron Davis episode of Hoosier Hysterics. Um, but basically that, you know, Crean really practiced working on skills. Archie is more about kind of conditioning. And and this is, I, I'm going to amend it to a C plus because like when we talk about like kind of offensive coaching and scheme and all that stuff, I would stick with a C. Probably the biggest issue is the lack of development from a fundamental perspective. The, the, the lack of passing the ball, you know, some of the ball handling issues, like feeling like some of the basic stuff, the free throw shooting, we don't really get better at and kind of struggle at. And that, it, that does seem to be just kind of a program philosophical thing that I hope changes a little bit. Like it seems silly that John Beeline would run the passing drills that everybody talks about the first day of practice. Well, I don't know, you know, Michigan seemed to run their stuff pretty well, you know, and, and some stuff that you want to do. And we'll talk about this with the European stuff later, it's like, what do the European leagues do? Well, a lot of their guys are just really good fundamental players. They pass well. They dribble well. They know angles. They shoot well. Like That stuff really matters in basketball. And so you do hear enough from people who have kind of been inside the program and just watching it with your own eyes that it, you don't see a lot of fundamental progression. And you know it's been three years now. So you do hope to kind of start to see that. And that goes in with some of the offensive lack of success that we've had. So I'm going to mend back a little bit what I said for that reason. Uh, defense. This is obviously where the numbers are better. Archie is a defensive coach. Uh, he's certainly been hindered by not having the kind of big men that you would want to run his system in terms of Joey Brunk and Deron Davis, not the fleetest of foot guys, but he has stuck stubbornly with his pack line to get it installed. And we obviously hope now that it'll be better uh, with personnel more well suited to it. You know, I think the defense, it's obviously been good, and it was so far down when, when he took over for Tom Crean that getting it up to where it was a top 30 defense and adjusted efficiency last year is certainly good. But if you look at the raw numbers in conference play, the picture is not quite so rosy. Um, and so defense-wise, I'm going to go B-. minus. The improvement's been good, especially from where he took it. But I'm I'm not buying the defense quite as much as maybe the numbers because the defense – leaves this team at times when it really needs it. And part of that goes to the offense, I think, because the guys get frustrated and, you know, the, the defense just doesn't, you know, hasn't been as consistent. But I give him credit for changing the culture and making it a defensive culture. Um, but I do wonder if he could have squeezed the orange a little bit more by finding some ways to adjust in certain ways to win some more games. And Coach, I don't know what the perfect balance is there between stubbornly sticking to your system and trying to adapt to the players that you have. But it, it felt to me like maybe there were some more wins to get if you do some of that. But I don't know if that sets you back moving forward. No, I I agree with you. The the ball screen coverage he held on too long um, through the Michigan game, and then he made some changes and was a little more flat in his coverage instead of the high hedge. Uh, you can be stubborn and just try to make guys do what you do. And, and uh, I think he's admitted that he's stubborn um, on on one of those recent interviews. So yes, that is something that all coaches need to look in the mirror and, and make sure that they know when when to pull the trigger and 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 when not to pull the trigger. And you know, it is a it is a fine line between do you implement your system even if you don't have the players, or do you mesh your system to um, 
the players. I think in my situation in high school, you got to mesh to the players because you have new players all the time. You can't recruit. In college, I think you can recruit to the system. The question is when you take over, do you need to win early or put in your system early? That, that that's a real tough question. It would be a good question to ask coaches too. Is um, I think you if you put in your system and don't have ball handlers, then it's going to look really ugly. Uh, if you don't, you could get some wins, but then you know you have a junior Rob Finnessy who's never played in the up tempo system because he's tried to get the ball inside for a year or two. Now he's lost some experience in that. So, but the defense is um, I think the defense is better. But I say B, B minus until you win more games. I think I don't think any category can, other than recruiting, maybe we can give give him an A until the until the results are there. But uh, again, your top 30, 32 defense, even with some of those mistakes of of staying too long, uh, you're you're still playing defense a little better. And I will say this: the team pouted a little too much. And is that the kids or is that Archie? Whoever it is. Uh, when they had bad offense, then you give up an eight to ten streak, and that's when the defense looked bad. That that's got to end. Um, that kind of streaks um, within games and within, you know, lost streaks. Um, whoever's responsible for that, uh, and ultimately the coach is somewhat responsible for all of it. Andy, yeah, I mean, I'd say B. Um, you know, the overall numbers, as you said, have have consistently gotten better. And I think there's some good things to be had there, but they were middle of the pack in the big 10 last year. And I think a lot of that has to do with that, that stubbornness of the, you know, the ball screen stuff and trying to really put, putting guys in a position where they're almost destined to not be successful. Um, you know, with having Joey Brunk do that, like, you know, he's not doing that on, he's not calling an audible and going doing that on his own. At some point you've got to understand what his, limitations are and how you can adjust to, to still play the framework of what you're trying to accomplish, but not get people hung out to dry in, in some of these situations. So um, I think that was there. That, that is, you know, defense is one of the things you talked about in that interview with Seth Davis. It was like, you know, being a stubborn SOB who wants to play man-to-man defense all the time. Could you do something else? And yeah, I think there were, you know, do you have the athletes a length to play, you know, to press a little bit, like they would kind of dust that off every once in a while and things like that. But it was, you know, really adamant about playing the, you know, defense the way that he wanted to. And I think, you know, I think that has established the, Hey, here's what we want to do and really got that installed. And I think that part of it has become easier. Um, but a little bit, it's a personnel thing and how you got to at least tweak it to, to do that. And I think more, more coaches are, uh, of the opinion that, you know, they're, they're going to really, you know, stick with something defensively and, and, and that maybe is less fluid than what they would do on the offensive side. But at a certain point, you got to realize, hey, if you don't have the guys to do it, um, I think, again, I think it was a three-man weave guys talking about, you know, West Virginia wanted to be Press Virginia, and then Javon Carter graduates, and it's like, oh, holy crap, this doesn't work without him harassing guys for 94 feet. Um, and you got to, you know, you got to be able to make some changes and figure out how to, how to adjust based on what you got. All right, so last thing, program ambassadorship. Um, I don't think this is ever going to be Archie's strength because I just don't think he's a – He's not the kind of charismatic guy that you see other top programs have. That said, I think he's done a great job in the state of Indiana. You know, that's a big part of it. You know, rebuilding those relationships, rebuilding the trust of the high school coaches. I think one-on-one, he seems great. You know, everybody who talks to him, you know, parents and and you know, high school coaches and all of that, it seems good. I'm disappointed personally that he hasn't given more attention to the local uh, uh, beat writers, not not even necessarily our show, but guys like Inside the Hall and Zach Osterman, who have been on this beat for such a long time, 
you know, like it's fine if you want to go do an interview with Seth Davis, but you know, I, I think you got to show some love to the to the local writers and get a little bit closer with the local fans because, like that Seth Davis interview was fine, but it just sounded like you know it sounded like a networking thing, like Seth Davis kind of catching up, asking general questions. Like you kind of need someone who's there day in day out to ask the good questions to Archie to give us the stuff that we really want to know, you know, and so. The interview was fine, but there's there's so many more levels that we would like to go with a coach, and we obviously have the memory of you know Bob Knight doing his chalk talks before games and all that stuff. I don't think Archie ever would do that, but how great would it be to just you know have Archie do like what Bill Self did, you know, watch some film and kind of go through it and be able to watch the game through his eyes? I think that stuff could really make a difference. And I think you know you look at Tom Izzo and Mike Shashevsky and Roy Williams and Bill Self and John Calipari and these coaches that are of programs of a stature that we want to be, you know, those coaches have charisma to get attention and keep their, their, now their teams are winning, but they themselves can make headlines. And Archie doesn't want that. And I think that's fine. And if he wins, that's all that's going to matter. But I do think there's kind of a next level of spotlight that you can bring to your program when the coach himself has some charisma and some salesmanship to him. And Archie's not going to have that. And so I think that's actually going to be a challenge that he's going to have to work around. Now, a lot of us are going to like that if we're winning because it's like, this guy's no nonsense. All he cares about is winning. Um, but, you know, if you want to try and recruit and play on a national level, that could also hurt you a little bit um, in certain cases. So, I, you know, I, I would probably give this a, a C plus. I appreciate the fact that he straight talks in his postgame press conferences and, you know, again, has rebuilt in, in Indiana. But I think there are... There are to me some lingering concerns as Indiana looks to go from, you know, bad to decent, decent to good, good to great, and great to elite. That those challenge there could be some challenges down the road, um, but those will all be erased if we're winning at an elite level. Like I said, so those are just some of my thoughts on it. Uh, Andy, where do you fall there? Yeah, this one's a, a hard one because I don't know how much you. You know, unless he's way different than what he portrays in in these situations, I don't know how much you're going to get him to be like some of those other guys. So it's like, how do you grade him? You're not on a like, you know what I mean? Like, can you really can you really say, well, you're not doing a good job, but it's not really in you to do, you know, the things, although you do need to be careful asking him to be like Bill Self. That could that could go right. But that's um Yeah, I know what you meant, but you know, just um, right. Not no, yes. So I, I think that part is is hard to like ding him a lot on. I like the you know more straightforward nature of it, but I do agree that you know some of the access that um, other other reporters have to the programs that they cover, and some of those things that might give you a little bit more of a, a peek behind the curtain uh, in terms of what some of those things are. I think you would like to see, um, but I just don't know that he is. It, it, yeah, like I said, I just struggled to come up with a grade on that that's not, you know, kind of in the B, B minus type range because it's like I don't know that I have the expectation with him based on what you've seen from a personality standpoint that like you're going to all of a sudden he's going to come out and be something. And and there's a part of that that you like that he's not really trying to be something that he's not and be a, uh, you know, the face of a program in a way that that he doesn't believe in. Um so yeah, I, that, this is probably the one that I struggle the most to give a, a grade to because I think from a, you know, from a former player standpoint, I think you've heard mostly good things. I think there's a couple folks who have said you know they didn't feel like they'd been reached out to, um, but it does feel like there's been more of a, 
an effort to do that kind of thing. I think that that means a lot to um, some IU fans. Obviously, the Bob Knight thing coming back. I don't know that he was, uh, you know, he's certainly not going to turn that down. But I also don't, you know, he's not at the front championing that because I don't know if that would have done anything. But uh, yeah, th- this is kind of a hard one for me to yeah. to really take a you know firm opinion. You know, extremely you know high or low on it's on like it's like grading Deron Davis def, you know defending in the pack line. It's like, well, this isn't really like what he's there. To, like, I agree with you. It's not you can't. I don't want Archie to try to be something he's not. You know, so that I, I totally agree with that sentiment. As Bear's mouth says, he's going the Bill Belichick route. Yeah, a little bit. And if he's a genius and can win games, that's all that will matter, and it will be fine. You know, but it's just I don't think we're you're gonna get any like benefits you know like kentucky gets from cow just like being out there and doing his cow things and i don't want that you know what i mean but there is some kind of qualitative benefit that the kentucky program gets from that and and i don't think it would matter until we get up to a level where we're in the top 10 every year which but i hope we get there so i'm just kind of projecting forward um anyway coach your thoughts i know you love archie well there's a few things one um disappointing is Indiana University is really tight with its media in in all areas um and that fits Archie I think Archie enjoys that now uh some of the uh assistant ADs in their programs do allow softball and volleyball or going to Hoosier Heartland all the time and sending their players out and I think that's awesome you know to, to get some publicity for that and I do think that that kind of ambassadorship you get paid as a head coach of major university you got to do some of that that, that that's that, that's the one thing Right, where he, he's got to be able to swallow what he wants to do and do some of that. He can't just be in his tunnel and, and, and do everything that he wants to do. But here's the other thing that I find really difficult now being a member of the media and I and I is that and a coach. Um as a coach, we don't like you media members. <laughs> as a media member, I like you media members. Uh one step like above prostitution, things. right? Isn't that yeah, what Yeah, and I like doing? Osterman and I like all those guys, right? But as a coach, I don't like them. I'm not I'm I'm not gonna sugarcoat. I don't want to talk about my program to anyone except my players and my administrators. Uh, I don't want to talk to the parents. I don't want to talk to anybody about it. And, and then they're going to ask me some question about why I played a 2-3 zone on a, out of bounds when they haven't even been in practice or watched a film. And, and I'm going to get all ticked, and then I'm going to get quoted, and then it's going to be a big uh, big mess. So, um, Take that to the school board. Yeah, it's just um, there's nothing worse than a post-game interview. Um and there, there just isn't because it's it's coach speak for a reason, and no one likes coach speak. But you you just say the things that are going to be softly heard uh, in the paper, and you get the reporter out of your coaching office or in the media room, and um, that that's just I don't know if that's ever gonna you know ever going to be fixed to some extent. And some people love to play the game and use the media for their advantage. And you name some of them, and they do a good job of it. Uh, especially the national guys and Ross Dean who calls everyone and their buddy, buddy, those national guys get guys on and you wonder if they just go on there so they can be seen and heard. And I was on this podcast for recruiting. And unfortunately the local guys who do a lot better job don't have that kind of reach and and then they don't get the thing. So that's, that's unfair too. You want the coach to use the national media to lift up the program, not himself as right. we had a previous coach do, you know? Right. And, and look, and Archie's right. still a young coach, and that may develop. You know, like, he, I don't, he's never going to like it, clearly. I don't think he'll ever be comfortable with it. But he may learn some savvy ways to use the media to the program's advantage. That's still, I think that's an area that he could grow and evolve. So it's, it's still... It's I always loved the coach's show because there was free food. 
So I, I didn't have a problem talking to the local media because it was usually breakfast. Or, but, you know, you have you have the local radio show for us at 9 o'clock in the morning. That's when we want to have – if we want to have practice or a walkthrough, then the head coach has to go himself and leave it to me, the assistant, or he sends me. The, the, it's just uh, – it's part of the job. But it is part of the job that is really, really, really tough. So I'm on both sides of the fence. I want more access. And then when I put my coaching hat on, I want no access. So you I are, get it. You are such a hypocrite Sorry. on post-game shows, Coach. Coming on here, second-guessing coaches after games. I know. I know. I know. I'm going to pay for it. I'm a rotten hell, I think, in the coaching hell. I'm not going to make coaching heaven because I've turned tide. Cognitive dissonance personified, Brian Tonsoni. Um, <laughs> all right. Dang, we haven't even done segment three yet. We should do that. That was a long conversation, though. I, look, I, just to, to put a bow on this, I'm optimistic still. You know, I've enjoyed, well, I, know, I was going to say I've enjoyed the Archie Miller era so far. I don't know about that. There have been some <laughs> enjoy is maybe not the right word to put on it. But after three years of the ups and downs, I am still optimistic. And I've still seen enough good to outweigh the bad and to feel like we're on the right trajectory and that we have a young coach who can still grow into the role and be really good. So I don't, you know. I think it's easy to look at the last three years and pick out some negatives, and I think those are warranted. But I think you can still do that and say, you know what? But things are still things are still trending up, ever so slightly, but they're trending up. And I think this I think this guy has more than what he's been able to show. And hopefully, as we get rosters that fit him better, he'll be able to show it. And I look forward mm-hmm. to that. And I just rest with I think the program's been stabilized, and now it's time to win. You got to win now. Yeah. I mean, the, the now part of that discussion that started at that segment two is all that's fine and dandy, but um, the wins haven't been there, and it's been underwhelming. I mean, the expectations were a lot higher coming in uh, from him from Dayton. That's just that's the truth. I think he would admit that as well. I think there's a lot of reasons why, but no excuses. Andy, do you want to you throw a bow on top of it? I mean, I think we've probably talked about it enough. I don't know that I have anything uh... – <laughs> Anything new to say at this point? It's a children's show. Thanks, Archie. Yeah, I mean, I thought Coach and I showed great restraint, I'm not, uh, you know, lashing lashing back about the bracketology comments. So, you know, you did. I, I now, I, I just think it's. It, I think there's a lot of good things, and that if you look at them all individually as you break down some of these pieces, I think you can tell yourself a good story about a lot of parts of it. The the challenges that hasn't added up to the results that people want to see. And we can cling to those small victories and little things here and there over the course of the few years. But, you know, as everybody said, this really starts to be the year that the excuses are kind of gone. The the incremental changes or shifts over the course of it has to be gone. And it really has to, you know, really turn into something at this point. It seems like a lot of things point in the direction that it, that it can, um, but just need to just need to see it. Yep. Quick, okay. Quickly on the Sesame Street comment, I had no problem with it. I mean, I don't want to be asked about where I'm going to be seated after I lose a game if I'm it's, a coach. I Maybe think he should have done different words. Yeah, I think but, it was – I mean, I think he kind of addressed it where it's like, look, if you ask me questions after a game, you're going to get stuff like that sometimes. I agree. I would rather them do away with post-game press conferences and try and have another way to get quotes from coaches because you probably get something more useful. So, anyway. Uh, okay, let's do this final segment. The news on flavored e-cigs talks a lot about the technology and teen use, but parents need to know more about the dangers of nicotine. 
So know this. One, nicotine is one of the most toxic of all poisons. Two, kids are more at risk for developing addiction. Three, a nicotine addiction can make it easier for kids to get addicted to other drugs. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. Schools, families, and government leaders are finally on alert over teen vaping. But before we can solve it, we need to understand it. One, the draw is flavors. 97% of kids who vape use flavors. Two, kids often don't know they're vaping nicotine, let alone a concentrated formula. Three, nicotine's addictive, and it's also a neurotoxin that can increase teen anxiety. Nicotine is brain poison, and flavor is the hook. Do something at flavorshookkids.org. What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Devontae. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. Uh, and after every game, once the games begin again, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Just text IU to 66866. Or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866. Or go to assemblycall.com. All right, guys, time for the mailbag. Uh, most of these questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, but some people, Jay, loves to send them on Twitter like five minutes before we go live with the show. Uh, he really, you know, the entitlement that he is showing now that he has a segment named after him, it's really... I kind of hoped it had changed during my layoff, but clearly it is the same. Uh, but alas, uh, we have the music, so we have to play the question. Here's the music. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre Question. If there's one thing and one thing only you could change about the first three years of Archie's tenure, what would it be? And coach, you kind of hit on it where it would be kind of interesting to see what would have happened if Archie had cleaned house a little bit earlier and tried to bring in some of his guys. Not that the contributions of those players isn't appreciated, but kind of seeing what that would have looked like to me is interesting. So that's number one. Uh, and seeing a healthy Jerome Hunter, his entire freshman season to go along with Romeo and Juwan, uh, and just better health for that entire team uh, as a whole, if I could be so greedy as to ask for that. Um, the, you know, those things I'd love to see what would have happened there. Um, you know, a out of curiosity and B, cause I think it, it probably would have ended up improving the bottom line. I would say a little more di- disciplinarian, um, when things weren't going away to bench players or to demand things. Uh, there was that Minnesota talk in year two and, and then, you know, some things, I think he tried too hard to make sure people were, were happy moving forward, uh, in his start at Indiana. That's a perception. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'd like to see, um, a little more of the toughness that he was supposedly brought from be applied to the team. Andy. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of what you guys said is good. You know, a couple of stand out would be, these are more maybe game. One of these is game specific. You know, what happens if they win that, uh, Ohio state game in the big 10 tournament two years ago, they had started to get things together at that point, played pretty, played pretty well down the stretch. Um, and had some, had some momentum. If they'd gotten that, would they have been able to, to make their way into the tournament. I think that changes a lot of the discussion about how important even last year was. And then, you know, being able to play in the NCAA tournament last year, quite honestly, if you could, um, 
you change that, we'd all be a lot better off. But um, the circumstances surrounding that. But you know, what really happens is he is he right that they had really developed some momentum? How does that you know change the a legacy for a guy like Devonte or or Duran to actually be able to play in that NCAA tournament? Um, would would be kind of interesting. I, I think the injury stuff that you, that you talked about was. Uh, potentially another one. I was trying to think back. I just couldn't do it well enough to figure out if there was a recruit that had been missed on that would have solved a lot of the the shooting woes during that time period. But I couldn't find a good uh, good resource to to track that down. So I'm There's sure there was some, somebody. Some point guards, you know, some of those guys. If you get any one of them, you know, it probably helps out. But yeah. Um, okay. Next question. This one is from Ken. With the loss of Justin Smith, how can the defense improve this year? It's a fair question because Justin has obviously been one of Indiana's most impactful and versatile defensive players. But, you know, we went over this a couple months ago, uh, Andy. Uh, to me, the path for this happening is for Archie to be able to go back to the defensive profile he likes, which is a team that does not get a lot of offensive rebounds, but instead gets back in transition and gets set up. The profile for his teams at Indiana, because of how they've been situated with a lot of big athletes, you got to play to your strength. And so we've offensive rebounded pretty well, but I think that has hurt the pack line being able to get set up, get everybody in their spots. And so by removing Justin, you're going to have probably another shooter on the court and probably a guy who's not as good of an offensive rebounder as Justin. So you'll see that number go down, but I think you can, you could see an impact on the defensive side of the ball where it's a little bit more like the profile of Archie's teams at Dayton and just, kind of logically fits better with how a pack line defense is going to want to be played. Um, so that, look, it's not to underestimate what you're going to lose with Justin, because I think despite some of his ups and downs, he was still a plus defensive player. But that to me is the path, just because of the rosters that you're going to play with and how they profile. I think I think for me, it, it's a, it, it depends a lot on who starts to take up those minutes. If you, if you see more more time on the court where race and trace are out there, then I think you've got a really reasonable, uh, really reasonable argument to be had there based on what we've seen from those guys. I think what you said is also true that, um, can you get a more offensive lineup out there that doesn't force you to do some of the things you've just trying to do anything you can to generate, uh, generate offense, which is the, the offensive rebounding piece. So I think to the extent that those minutes get allocated a lot more to a front court of, of race and trace, um, I think you can be more versatile there. Justin was a good defender, but was a little bit undersized at times when he was asked to play the four. Um, and and maybe you know you find some other guys that can really you know step up. Can you play with a little more pace? Can you do some things to maybe force the other team to play at a pace that they don't want to play at? Versus are you playing a little bit slow? Let everybody get comfortable and, and some of those things. Coach, I, I think smaller lineups will help too. <clears throat> There'll be more opportunity to play smaller uh, this year, and I just think you make it up team wise. Uh, it's a loss defensively, but you make it up team-wise uh, by playing different people who want to get get in there and do what Justin did well. Yeah, and look, if Armand can get more minutes, he's <clears> going to be a good defensive player. Trey Galloway is a guy who's going to step in and play good defense. Race Thompson's a good defensive player. So, I mean, Indiana's going to – Jordan Geronimo profiles as a potentially good defensive player, although I don't know that he'll get there this year. Um, but Indiana's got some pieces who can step in and, and help to fill that gap. Uh, lastly, let's go with – uh, this from Patrick. Archie mentioned uh, looking to Europe leagues and their offensive styles for new ideas. What types of things do, th do those leagues do well? And I alluded to this earlier, Coach. To me, it's, it's not even like styles and sets and that kind of stuff. It's fundamentals. Um, you know, a lot of those European players are known for being good passers, good ball handlers, good shooters, all those things. 
you add those fundamentals, you're going to make any offensive set look better. So I would take that into account even more than I would look at the style of play. But I'm sure there are some stylistic things. Just looking at what Indiana needs, it still seems like we need to get better at the fundamentals. They're um, very good at um, passing and vision and dribbling and then using that to run effective offense. Uh, but their spacing uh, is yeah. tremendous in, in European leagues to where it, you know they, it's hard to cover shooters and you move people into open spots. So if you're studying that, maybe to see some of that in Indiana's offense. Yeah, and that, that interview with Seth Davis, Archie mentioned the kind of how hard the, the cuts are. I know that was yeah. one thing we talked about coming out of that Purdue game where it was just like the difference in how hard different guys would go through cuts was was pretty huge. And then the space, you know, that's accentuated by the spacing that coach talked about and uh, the ability to pass and find those guys. And I think in for a team that needs to generate offense, can you do that by hard cuts, good screens, um, you know, more, you know, free flowing stuff is kind of what he talked about in the in the article. And it's been pretty uh non-free flowing, I'd say for IU. Yep. That's it. We're done. No more questions. Okay. Well, that is going to do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We will be back again to talk with you next Thursday night. Until then. Take it from me, A.J. Moyer. Keep your elbows in, eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. I have a mad crush on Archie Miller. and He does. Uh, hey, interesting you brought up the the European stuff, and I'm not going to give out a whole lot of secrets, but we're studying a team from Jerusalem. Uh, our our Western offense is going to use a lot of things from a team in Jerusalem, and it's all about uh, spacing and getting four on three and, and putting the defense in rotation and how to get them started in rotation and then swing the ball and attack the rotation. Uh, and we've only had six open gyms and only – Two that we could actually go five on zero and do some of those things that you just didn't have a guy with the basketball, and it looks pretty good. But but we have shooters for finally, and that's why we're going to it because you want to guard this action. We got a guy this spot and this spot that can bang threes, and then we got a guy who can score inside. And so basketball is so much more fun with shooters. (laughs) Just yeah, it is. Okay, so last thing that we can talk about before we get out of here, I'm I'm curious. If let's say that we did get an interview with Archie Miller or like podcast on the brink gets an interview with Archie Miller, what what questions would you want to ask him? To me, the, the number one question that I would want to ask Archie is, you know, I know that the 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 perfect answer is going to be both, but philosophically, does he think it's more important to recruit shooting or develop shooting? I would love to get his answer on that, to know where he falls on that. Because again, you have to do both, but I just kind of want to know what he thinks. Because I think he's going to say the former. I mean, he's going to say both. But I, to me, his philosophy seems like the former, and that's been part of the issue is we haven't been able to recruit it, and we certainly haven't developed it that well. Al has, but not a lot of other guys have. So I would love to hear how he would actually answer that. I would love to nerd it out with him for an hour just talking basketball concepts. The other question would be, you know, when you look back at how many possessions were spent with Deron and Joey Brunk hedging ball screens, you know, would do you regret that? Or is that part of stubbornly sticking to your system that you think is going to pay off in the long run? Or was there something in there that we didn't see that those possessions were actually better than we thought? 
And I'd love to get his answer on that too. You know, nerding out with him about that stuff, I think would be a lot of fun. What are there any questions that you guys would want to ask him? And I'm not teasing anything. We haven't set anything up. We've been rejected every time we've asked. So I'm not trying to say that this is going to happen, but certainly after the grading on tonight's episode. Yeah. Can... <laughs> Here's our grades. Our, can, do, do, you, do you agree or disagree with our grades? I think yeah. we can pretty much fire the chances of that into the sun. But and that's in, neither here nor in areas that you got below a C, we were we expect a two page written response. <laughs> Um, see, okay. Mine, so ta- would, mine would be tactical because of the coaching. I, I want to know, yeah. you know, how he how he teaches ball screens and and what's he trying to get out, out of ball screens because the high school games going to some of that. I'd love to talk to him about overall strategy of the pack line. What's the most important thing to stop? Um, and, and that that'll lead to the ball screen hedge because the reason you hedge is to stop the ball. Um, and how do you make adjustments in that and, and so forth? Scouting, I'd ask the scouting question. Joel said, number one question would be why bench guys in the first half with two fouls. Yeah, I would definitely ask him that, too. Joel should really probably reset his password <laughs> since it's likely that you you somehow <laughs> acquired it and logged in as him to, uh, to pose that question. Uh, Andy, would you ask him, does he really think bracketology is a children's show? Archie, do you know how much time I spend putting these brackets together? Yeah, my question would essentially be, what the hell, man? I mean, what do we, no, um, no, I, um, I, I think it'd be I think it'd be a little bit of, you know, some of some of what he said about the the stubbornness, you know, what you know, what what needs to happen for him to really change out of a certain thing. And, and some of that goes back to the ball screen piece. But it's, um, you know, like, what is what is the breaking point? And maybe some of the questions that we asked too, just it, it's a little bit philosophical of like, is it more important that you have your system in during this time period of of really getting your guys in, or do you regret being stubborn with that and not trying to tweak more? And and kind of what's the right balance and how he views the balance of that? Maybe how he viewed the balance of that when he came in versus how he views the balance of that now, uh, a few years in. But I think that's been, you know, to me one of the things that's been most frustrating in some of those. Um, you know, scenarios of trying to figure that out. And I, I'd also be curious just as a, from an analytical standpoint, like, you know, what are some of the things that they really look at to make those kinds of decisions um, after the fact, you know, we all kind of lament plus minus and different lineup stuff and different, whatever, like, what do they, how much of that do they really use versus how much of it is just kind of, you know, gut feel and stuff like that. Yeah. Tyler said, if he were hundred percent honest who if anyone was a locker room cancer the last three years, see, I might, like if Archie and I became friends and I was having beers with him, I might ask him that question, but I would not ask that on a podcast. You know, I, I don't, you know, that, that wouldn't be the place for any type of gotcha questions or trying to like put right. him on the spot. I would just want to talk hoops with him, you know, like yep. philosophy and stuff that would the, help us all see the game better. And that's the, the stuff that I don't think we get in some of these interviews yep. that with, with the questions people ask him. The best questions from a coaching standpoint are, how do you determine this? What are your beliefs? What do you believe is the best aspect of your pack line defense? You know, and then general things. If you have a criticism, be general. It's like, how long do you stay with a with a scheme that's not working? You yeah. know, um, coaches don't mind having conversations like that. They get a little defensive when it's like, you know, you gave up twenty points on the pick and roll defense there. You know, <laughs> you think you should have changed? Uh, no, no, sh- no shit. We should have changed. You know. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't. So yeah, that's bad. Now get out of my office. Um, but you really got to be careful. Um, you know, asking coaches questions in general is a lot better than saying, you know what, you uh, you didn't play Duran, but seven minutes and he had 
four baskets. Um, that's when that's when we get a little. Yeah, we get a little defensive. Maybe think, we shouldn't. But the last one I would ask is, you know, it's I think it's difficult for the average fan to watch a defense and to know if it's being executed properly. So if he were going to coach Indiana fans on how to watch the pack line and to know if a possession went well or to know if there's been a mistake, what are like one or two keys that you look at to know if this is being done right or if it's being done wrong? You know, or if you see a guy who's running out and chasing a three-pointer, what should we have been watching to know if that's his fault, if that's someone else's? Like, coach me on how to watch the defense to know what's going right and what's going wrong. That's a good coach's corner segment. There we go. By the way, your coach's corners have been awesome lately. If you guys haven't been watching those, he's done shot forms of Rob Finnessy, shot forms of Al Durham. I mean, really going deep on some of this stuff. So, Coach, hat tip to you. Thank because, you. Or hair curl flip to you because that's been really uh, <laughs> You guys can't see the, the almost mullet that's happening back here because I haven't gotten my hair cut in months. It doesn't come through when I wear the headphones. Thank goodness. Okay. Uh Clearly, I'm just lingering because I miss having been on the show, and I don't want it to end. Uh, but we should probably close things up because it's, it's yeah, getting I gotta, late. I got to run. <laughs> yeah. It's getting late. Well, it's been good talking with cool. you guys. I'll, uh, I'll let Andy, you know tell Jen uh, to stay uh, safe as school mm-hmm. year approaches and whatever you guys are doing educationally over there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you do the same. Yeah, we're getting uh, we're getting close. A lot of. Uh, a lot of to be determined questions from her perspective on how her district is going to execute their plan. So we shall see. It's all up in the air. Wear your masks, social distance, keep doing all that stuff. Yep. Okay. All right, cool. All right. We'll see team, you guys. Jared. We'll see you guys. See you all Glad to have you back, Jared. Good to be back. All right. All right. See you, everybody. Talk to everybody later. Stay safe. Bye. The news on flavored e cigs talks a lot about the technology and teen use. But parents need to know more about the dangers of nicotine. So know this. One, nicotine is one of the most toxic of all poisons. Two, kids are more at risk for developing addiction. Three, a nicotine addiction can make it easier for kids to get addicted to other drugs. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.